I'm Jake Watson, and this is the Saints Unscripted podcast, where we have conversations about faith crisis, topics that may be triggering about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Gospel, church history, prophets, the Book of Mormon and the Bible, and so many other things. This is Season 1, Faith Crisis. Right. So what you just said about it's not going anywhere, it's evolving, it's just getting more complex. I would just say that quote comes from a recent episode where we were like, instead of calling something a faith crisis, could we call it a faith adventure? Welcome to the Saints and Scripted podcast, everybody. Today we have an amazing guest, Gaynell Lynn. Finally, I, I feel like when we started the show, it was like we had to get you on all the yeah. It was Gaynell Lynn is on the middle. We work on that, and she's an author, video host, and a speaker. Many events, thousands, yeah, right? thousands, you could say thousands all over the world. And how many books have you authored? Seven, seven, right? and then and I'm working on, on your one eight. right Ooh, now. <laughs> so excited! It's a, it's like I'm in the middle of the writing place, and so for me as a speaker, it's a very connecting. Well, before the pandemic, it was very connecting in person, and I would spend an hour after every event hugging everybody and talking, and then the pandemic hit. So my speaking schedule actually probably got busier during the pandemic, but it was Zoom. So I wasn't having that feedback and that like, it feels like a sacred dance for me when I speak. And writing is very like in a cave, introverted part of my soul where like I have to like dig all the feelings up and find the words. And and then social media is just another whole thing, right? So I feel like what I'm doing from a mission standpoint or from like a work standpoint is meeting all my personalities. <laughs> Not that I'm multiple personalities, but those parts of my soul that I think people are surprised because I'm not shy. I will talk to anyone anywhere and find out their story and will eventually cry within two minutes and hug, right? That's just classic. My family is always like, how many minutes did that take in the bathroom for you to, right? Oh but then there's another part of me that when I'm home, I'm very private and home and alone. Like alone time is just as crucial crucial for my spirit. I think there's some personality assessment of that. Like I think Oprah is considered an introvert with extrovert skills. And I would say okay. I'm very aligned Similar with that. that. Okay. And we're both Aquariuses, so. Oh, cool. <laughs> so is Tom Selleck. Fun fact. Oh, Tom Selleck. <laughs> I haven't what? heard you talk about Tom Selleck for a while. I know. I he's, mean, when he's, I first met you, it was like uh, Gainolin and Tom Selleck. <laughs> I know. Hey, Tom, if you happen to listen to the Saints Unscripted podcast, you have a full invitation at any point for an interview. And he would look so cool on the yellow couch. Oh, my gosh. Oh. That would a dream. That would be a dream come true. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Should we just throw it out there? Yeah. No. Tom Selleck, if you're listening, yes. please. Yes. Invitations open. Yeah. We'd love to have you. And for the middle viewers, I'm married and I'm a mama of two great kids and a suicide awareness advocate. Yeah. Mental health um, warrior. And that's due to in large part what happened seven years ago when my sister died by suicide which the anniversary at the time of this taping is tomorrow. And so I've already warned you. You already know. Jake already has had like 
messages from me and conversations today. My emotions are a little on the edge today. Like I feel like I could full on cry or cuss people out. It could go either way. Depends on the questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you and and there's a so you're a, a host for Real Talk, and there's this really cool uh, quote that you have there that that they posted on their Instagram page, and and it really was kind of a, a different angle at what I've been thinking about this and what I've been told to think about it. And uh, I'll just read it. It says, it's okay to have an exploration of faith. Faith is evolving and dynamic, and it's not a faith crisis to have questions and seek answers. And that was really, I I don't want to say it's like it was really freeing to see that because I had looked at faith crisis as this certain box Mm -hmm. or this certain criteria. And to see that it could be something different, or maybe it wasn't like I thought it was, or what it seemed like, or maybe this can just add to what it actually is. So it's just a school because it kind of took some pressure off me. Yeah, It made me not beat myself up so much for thinking that I had done something wrong, or I wasn't as faithful, or I'm not being as faithful now to kind of climb out of this. Because honestly, like, it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. And right. I was hoping this series, like... You know, I'd talk to so many it. wonderful people. And I'd be like, okay, by March, <laughs> what, 10th? Is today yeah. March 10th? March 10th. And, you know, I thought at least by now I'd be in a lot better spot, but it feels like it's almost like it's just getting more complex and more deep. And sure, I've learned a lot and I feel like I, I know my goals a little better and know the purpose that I have, why I'm wanting to stay in the, you know, believing in the gospel and the reasons why. So that's been really positive, but I still feel like, you know, things just aren't the same. And maybe that's a good thing. And then maybe that's why the quote says evolving and dynamic. And so maybe this whole faith transition, faith crisis thing, I don't think it'll lead me out, you know, of the church or out of believing in the gospel, but so, ah, maybe it's, I don't know where it's leading. Well, I appreciate both the middle hosting the middle and real talk real talk come follow me is you know dedicated to members of the church audience that are doing come follow me like there are literally probably a million podcasts for come follow me right now (laughs) but we started my co-host deals with depression anxiety and because of the work i've done and the loss in our family and the struggles in our family we wanted to take the gospel perspective on real life that's that's the name, Real Talk. And it, it's it been interesting, especially as we've been diving into Doctrine and Covenants and church history this year and all of that. We wrote a journal to go with the show for this episode, for this season, but we've said the journal could be used with whatever resources because it's just section by section of the Doctrine and Covenants. But as we wrote it this la- last summer, I-, I would call Scott and like, okay, are you there? You know, because <laughs> you start uh, turning over every rock of church history, you are inevitably going to turn over a rock that you don't like what you see. Right. So what you just said about it's not going anywhere, it's evolving, it's just getting more complex. I would just say that quote comes from a recent episode where we were like, instead of calling something a faith crisis, could we call it a faith adventure? So when you go on an adventure, right, there are the twists and turns. You read a really great, you know, Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, 
right? She is putting in there the twists and the turns on purpose. So the reader is engaged and excited and it's an adventure and we don't know how it's going to get resolved. And then this character comes in and then this backstory you didn't know. That is pretty much all of our conversion stories. If we're really on the conversion path. And I value talking about God and faith. And on the middle, what I love about the middle is it's non-denominational. And so we really have invited faith, all different faiths and all different you know, walks of life and demographics on to have conversations about being in the middle. So sometimes we want to put faith in this, like, this is the part of my life and this part of my life takes care of the house and this part of my life, those are stewardships, which is just fun fact, my new book I'm working on, right? But faith for me is so integral. And that's why I think when you have a faith crisis, it unravels all these areas of your life because especially our faith, it's so intensely like woven into tradition, family, expectation, values, what we do with our money, what we do with our time, right? All the things. And so- What we eat. What we eat, <laughs> right? If yeah. we have sex, yeah. when we have sex, how many kids we're going to have, which is not true, right? So what happens is, is we take culture and doctrine and we swim in it and it becomes part of all of our identities. And then you have something like if people watch our episode on the middle with you, the Jenga tower comes down, right? And so what I really hope to do in the content I create and put out there and the conversations, I see myself, maybe this is the best answer to how would you intro me, (laughs) is I'm a conversation starter. And I like to start conversations on various platforms. So in a book, in a show, when I'm speaking or a post on social media about the things that are awkward, that's my jam. I like to talk about the things that trigger us that are emotional. I like to talk about the messy stuff. I don't love living it, but I'm willing to talk about what I've gone through in a way that it shows that faith isn't on the shelf. It's not like this thing we do, especially in our faith on Sundays. You know, we're not, we're not poinsettia Easter lily worshipers, right? We, we are seven days a week and 24 hours a day. And so when something happens, whether it's, um, a mental health break, a breakup in a relationship, a job loss, some families this last year, it's all three of those things. I don't know. Did I just say three or four? I don't know. Right. And then you, then you add in there a health crisis or whatever else. If you can see faith as an adventure and a journey, then the different characters that show up, what you find, you know, I just watched Princess Bride with my daughter the other day for our mom date. And um, we were doing pedicures and watching Princess Bride. My daughter's 17 and she's just phenomenal. We need to get her on the middle. My son's been on Saints Unscripted, but... And he's phenomenal too. He's just in a different stage of life. It doesn't live at home. So we were having our mom date and it gets to the point where everyone knows, right? Where Billy Crystal is the, <laughs> is giving the um, magic nut. It looks like a chestnut that he paints with like chocolate to bring the nearly dead Wesley back to life. And, and I was thinking about how all of us go through periods of time where we feel nearly dead. We feel nearly dead and, um, or mostly dead. I think Princess Bride says mostly dead. And I think there's that scene where he's they they lay Wesley down and they say, like, what do you have to live for? And he moans true love. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Confession, I've only seen it like once. I know, that's And I watched it grudgingly. I know. So you're going to. It's your homework assignment. <laughs> okay. So there's a sign. So that's probably a bad example because you don't even know what I'm talking about. I forgot. I was like, wait, is it Jake that's my friend that's never watched it? Yes, it's you. Um, I have another friend. <laughs> I've watched it once. Once. Okay. So Sorta. they say, what are you living for? And he says, basically, true love. And so I would just say faith to me is about a relationship. It's not about all the check boxes. I do the check boxes because it strengthens my relationship. But the relationship isn't the check boxes. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think so, so I think like whether it's our marriage or our kids or our own relationship with ourselves, um, you have choice on how to strengthen those relationships. For me, organized religion is my choice in ways in which I'm strengthening my relationship. But if you're finding yourself or finding this episode in the middle of a faith crisis, whatever that is, reframing it as an adventure, I think like that's the makings of all good movies. That's the makings of all great books, right? That's the makings of a great life. Instead, we judge it from a cultural standpoint. Oh, she's going through a faith crisis. Oh, he's doing this now. And we think it's the end of the story. And I just, especially after Meg died, I have to really hold tight to the idea that this is a long view. This is the long game we're playing. We're not doing the short game. So for the short game, it looks like a mess. The long game is God's not panicked. And he's so fine with Jake. And he's so fine that you don't by March have it all figured out. And I think that's what I've tried to say to you as a friend. And I feel like you have you you have heard me say to you more than once that I'm grateful you're going through this. You don't like it, but I love it because I see the long game and the long game tells me that it's changing who Jake is for the better eventually, right? So Elder Holland says, be therefore perfect eventually. He just said that at the last conference. Well, eventually to me is grace. It's grace in the adventure. It's grace in the mess. It's grace that in any given moment, you don't have the answers. You're not okay with the church. You're not okay with the church history. You're not okay with yourself, your relationships, but eventually. And so making space for that is my jam. Like I love having conversations that maybe marginalized groups or people that have traditionally written themselves out of the game are like, wait, what? She just said sex. And she said jam three times. And she's talking Princess Bride, but she likes to talk about the Doctrine and Covenants. <laughs> and I'm 50, so then that's crazy, right? I used to have braces. That was another part of the story, right? And I just want to keep having those because to me, when we have them, we can work through it. It's when we stop talking to each other, right? So I think the scariest part of 2020 and 2021 is cancel culture. Like we're not making it safe to have the awkward conversations, from a social media standpoint specifically, right? But maybe even in our families, maybe we're doing better in the church. I think we both are working on shows right now that are trying to foster that. Like there is space for the conversation. How do we find the answers if we can't sit down and go, I'm not doing good? How do we how do we find the answers to our faith questions if we don't have anyone that we're like, listen, I just read this thing on Google, <laughs> probably on Reddit, right? <laughs> I just saw a video from the 5 million ex-Mormon, right, podcasts that are out there right now, and I'm triggered, and I don't know what to do with it. Um, so that's kind of why I try to show up in the way that I do, 
I'm not everybody's cup of tea or postum. <laughs> Do you know about postum? No. What? That's that. Is that a new thing? No, it's so old. No, if you go on eBay, you have to spend like $45 to get a little jar of it because they discontinue it for a while. So it's the barley-based or hickory-based like coffee alternative that a lot of like back in the 70s and 80s converts would switch from coffee to drinking postum. And my grandma was a convert. And so she used to make postum all the time. You can go to a natural food store and post-um. get it. It's like non-caffeinated. P-O-S-T-E-M? T-U-M. Oh, postum. Yeah. Tum, yeah. Tum. Okay. You should try some. Oh, cool. I'll Maybe I'll bring up. some to the middle. Anyways, yes. that was a very long answer. <laughs> Shocking because you always have to edit me. So you already know how I go on and on and on. No, really though, like you said, it's an adventure. And I, I and I, I guess I do sort of have a question. And it was funny you say adventure because I look at it as a painful road trip. Right. Where you don't see an end in sight. Yes. And you have to go to the bathroom all the time. Right. It's hot. Yes. And yeah, maybe the AC broke down. Yeah. And you think of all the road trip movies. Good analogy. When I first started on, you know, let's call it an adventure because I really like that. I felt like I had no idea where it was going. The car was just going. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I remember when I was a kid and (laughs) my mom left the car for a second. She probably turned it off. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she just ran in. I jump in. Oh, maybe I should be telling the story. Sorry, mom. It was early nineties. And I. <laughs> it was different. Yeah. <laughs> I jump in the driver's seat, reverse, yeah. just started going. You know, we're in a neighborhood, right? Jay. I, I know. I and, and we were just going, and I'm just sitting there. This like, is a great story. And I just start looking around, like, and then. Boom. <laughs> What did you hit? And we hit, um, you know, those like big stone yes. box mailboxes yes. things. We hit one of those and luckily the car stopped. <laughs> so, well, I, those are expensive. I bet that neighbor was not happy about that. Yeah. Let's go watch Arthur's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was watching Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. Little Bill. Blues. Little blues. Bill. Franklin. Roly Polioli. Yeah. Oh. I know Arthur that song. Is the I best, know all uh, bears in the blue. Big Bear blue in the blue house. Out of the box. Oh my goodness. Oh, yes, yeah, the mailbox. So I, I feel like. You know, I've never thought of that before now because of the the awesome analogy you brought up with the adventure thing. And I still feel like I have no other, well, I guess I, I, I sort of now kind of have a hope for where this could lead. Of course, you know, I want to be what's comfortable. I want to stay in the church because it's comfortable, sort of. It's known. <laughs> okay, maybe it's I shouldn't. Known. It's known. That's a good way. I don't know if it's comfortable. You know, I want to do all the same things that I used to do because it's comfortable. I don't like change. Uh, but I, I don't know if I see that as like a great end to this adventure. Right. So maybe, maybe I could just ask you that and see your thoughts on that. Like if 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 we begin this adventure and we have no idea where it's going, how like, of, of course, we're going to feel some fear. Right. Some, you know, all those emotions that the anxiousness. The unknown. Like the unknown. What... I mean, I don't even know how to ask this question. How do we deal with that? So what I would say first and foremost is we started this conversation with an awareness that first giving permission to ourselves that the conversion path looks messy. Nephi, if you look at Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, classic, right? Classic. We all want to say, oh, I'm Nephi and Sam. I am so not Laman and Lemuel. But the reality is we are all a little Laman and Lemuel and we are all a little Nephi and Sam. What was the difference? We only have Nephi's version of Laman and Lemuel. We do not have the other side of the story, right? So if Laman and Lemuel to write the story, what would they say? We were teenagers. We had a really cool Xbox. Our dad is crazy. And we had to go live in a tent, right? With no end in sight. 
Okay. So they had vulnerability built into their Just story. this ambiguous promised land. Ambiguous adventure. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? Yeah. Nephi had the same triggers of vulnerability and concern, but really what did Nephi do with that vulnerability? He decided to lean into a greater relationship with God. So figuring that story that is so well known among members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that the vulnerability factor started these individuals within a family on an adventure, and it was a wilderness experience adventure. Some members of the family leaned into the vulnerability, and they learned resiliency skills, and they kept fostering their faith, but it was messy. They, They responded on a very, like, one-dimensional level on a page we read the story. So we really, I always joke like if Nephi's wife was keeping the record, we'd have a whole different story about what's going on. And I write about it in one of my books called Mother to Mother. I literally break down that what Nephi's wife must have been like, I am not going to family dinner with my in-laws anymore. They literally abuse you. I'm not going, right? You know? So what I would say is make room for the fact that conversion is a process. We think conversion is a testimony. And we think a testimony comes in the minute the missionaries teach the lesson. And we have an experience with the Holy Ghost, which on a mission, you remember the mission and having those experiences with people. Now you are living the rest of your life. Elder Watson, and it's not like that. And you're like, I don't think my relationship with God is on fire. I don't even think it's simmering right now. And so I think first foremost, no, God's not panicked and you're in an adventure. What's the next step is your question. The next step is what did Nephi do to foster the conversion to move forward? What I often say to my kids, especially my 23-year-old, hey, Cam, is... (laughs) As parents, we want you to have more options. In my faith belief, Satan doesn't want me to have options. He likes the trapped feeling because trapped feelings lead us to more isolation and more numbing. And he loves getting us in that spot, right? To me, if I was really to sit down with God and he whiteboarded everything out, and you work with me on planning for content, so you know I'm a fan of mapping it out. Like, I probably drive Rachel, our producer, and you crazy because I'm like, four months ahead, let's get it on the calendar. That's how I'm doing it because that's I'm doing three shows, right? That's what I was going to bring up. I was yeah. like, all the planning's fine. All the content <laughs> creating brainstorming's fine. But when we plan something four months ahead, <laughs> I'm like, Rachel. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Yeah. And that's how I roll, right? If we were to sit down with God and he was to show us everything on the whiteboard, I think he would see that like he's trying to give us options. He's asking us to keep covenants and commandments so we keep options, right? He's asking us to stay in a relationship with him because he's expansive. What we often think from a cultural standpoint that religion, organized religion and commandments are restrictive. In my 50 years on the planet, I have come to understand, I think Nephi shows us this, that he, who would you say is the happier person in the story, given the fact we only have his version, is Nephi, who was working on conversion. He didn't take Lehi's vision and went like, yay. He was like, I'm wrestling with my vulnerability of this wilderness experience. And he got more. His version of the vision is even more. So I guess my question back to you is, the next step is, are you making choices that are helping foster more in your life? And I would say that my faith and more specifically keeping my covenants has fostered more, not less. 
It doesn't eliminate the pain of the wilderness experience. It doesn't even eliminate the vulnerability. Like, what do I always ask the guests at the end of the middle? What's your manna? What's your manna? (laughs) And the reason I do is because the children of Israel are another great faith adventure story. They were having a wilderness experience that I do not think anyone GPS them through. And I do not think anyone said, and for 40 years, we're going to walk in a circle because that's basically what they did and probably how you're feeling. And I have felt at times in my own life and you're not really going anywhere, but in that process, you're becoming and the next generation is becoming, and you're going to live on manna, boring manna every day, but you're not even have to work for it because God, I think knew they were busy having this other experience. So he was like, I'm just going to provide the manna, but it's going to be like on faith. And you're not going to be able to store it. And you're going to have to get up every day and do it again and again and again. So I would say getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is the next step. And I also would say not to get so like psychologically focused, but my minor's in psychology, so I have to (laughs) dust it off every once in a while. Um, Even though I think Alex Boyer called me a therapist on our episode, right? Our very first episode of The Middle the was Alex. very first one? Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to correct him right. because it was my dream to be a therapist. <laughs> and in many ways, I'm like, I guess, I don't know, pseudo. So what I'm going to say from a psychological standpoint, and you and I can talk about this as much as you want, is that whatever pain or trauma or, or hurt we're not dealing with, I believe either God can capitalize on it or Satan can. There, to me, is the heart of why I stay. You know, I know that mortality for me is a one room schoolhouse that we all came. We rejoiced about it. We were excited. Acne and anxiety, we were like, I'm in, right? And the reason we were excited is because the Savior was part of the plan from day one. And so we knew we were going to win. Like the NBA, did I say it right? Superstar playoff. What was the game the other night? Oh, the all-star game. (laughs) Superstar playoff. My family's so embarrassed. By I'll, me. I'll edit this out. I'll edit this out. No, he is. Jake should I keep is it in? You should. Okay, the all-star game. Sorry, Jazz, because we had three players this year. I did know that. Are you proud and of me? And the coach, yes. And the coach, right? It was so good, we're right? still not getting the respect we I need. I know. So we shout deserve. out to the Jazz. <laughs> but I would say if, if they knew no matter what they were going to win, how would it have changed how they played the game? And that's what I think happened in that first family council. Or the last family council. I don't know chronologically if we'd had more than that, but we had one meeting where we were presented with a plan. We were told we weren't going to lose. And so it doesn't take away the vulnerability. It doesn't take away with no gas station. We run out of gas. The tire blows, da, 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 right? We insert that with addiction. My sister dies by suicide. My husband loses two jobs. My son struggles as a teenager. It didn't eliminate my, I get diagnosed with lupus. I'm told we'd never have kids, right? It doesn't eliminate. But what I think faith does is it says with the vulnerability in, in place, I've got your back and I want more for you. So I'm willing to keep working on that relationship, whatever that looks like on any given day, because for me, God wants more for me. And ultimately my happiness and ultimately we win the game, you know? So, you know, not to take away from Michael Jordan, but Jesus could beat him. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. To use the basketball analogy. 
Am I winning over all the- 0, though, in I know, the finals. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so this is the thing. I think there are seasons or periods in the game, in the adventure, those chapters right in the middle especially. I even think the parts of movies and books, to use that, at the right before the end is worse than in the middle when it gets messy. And I would just venture to say you're there. You're not at the beginning when it's just the backstory, you know, and you're not in the <laughs> middle. A couple months ago, you were in the middle of it. Not mm. to plug the middle 50 times, but <laughs> I think you're at that part or you're entering that stage right before the end where there's the resolution and the miracles that it almost feels like it's getting too much. And that right. space is really the heart of the whole story, right? And that's why I've reflected back to you. I want to go to a bishop that's had a faith adventure. I want to go to a stake president that's had a crisis and some loss. I've been in the church my whole life. That's 50 years. I've had a lot of church leadership conversations. And the ones that have had the greatest impact on me are from those individuals that have empathy. And you don't get empathy by phoning it in. You don't get empathy by reading a good book about it or listening to a podcast about it. You live it, right? So every adventure story has that Amulek that shows up for the Alma character right? Like where Alma's like, I am so out of here. Talk about cancel culture, right? They are totally canceling me, God. He's like, no, no, go back, go back, go back. He goes in a different way and runs into his new BFF that's waiting for him. Perfect spot. And Amulek has everything for Alma, everything. I have had so many Amuleks in my life that were just like perfectly placed. I feel like our relationship has been that way. Like I'd do the whole show again to work with you and Rachel, right? Absolutely totally. hands down. And so I think when we think about the fact that we're dealing with the vulnerability, I think Nephi and Sam kept trying to find resiliency skills. They kept trying to foster faith. Laman and Lemuel seem to keep self-sabotaging. And we all do that. Remember what I said, we're all a little Laman and Lemuel. Don't think you're not. You are, you know? But I always say that like God's like go back and it feels uncomfortable and it doesn't look like it's going to work. And we go back and we meet Amulek who's got all the money in the world, all the influence in the world and totally helps Alma and they become BFFs. So I, that's to me the pattern that we see in the scriptures. And that's why I like talking about the scriptures in the way I try to, because they're, they're the real people having the real faith crises. There's not very many stories in the scriptures that are the people that are like, check, check, box, box, right? I don't know one family. In, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Is there a story of a family that's like, la, 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 white pick offense? Nope, not even Adam and Eve. From day one, their boy kills their other boy, right? Bad news bears right there. So why do we think to have a faith journey or be active in any faith or to keep our covenants that we have to fit in that box? That box literally is not shown in the scriptures that I can find. If anything, the scriptures are filled almost ad nauseum of faith crisis stories, of struggle, of adventures, of wilderness experiences, because God's like, let me show you the pattern you know? And, and so that gives me hope, right? That gives me hope for whatever I may find tomorrow. What rock do I turn over tomorrow that I'm calling you? Well, I know I can call you. 
you've you've read the stuff. You've cried at night. You've counseled with the priesthood leaders. You've gone through um, mental health journey with professionals. So I I trust that you're not going to be like, yeah, bail, you're, just bail. You're <laughs> not fine. Worth it. It's yeah, you won't. You would be like, no, no. And that comes from your own journey. That's why I love going to true story movies. Like I don't. I'm good for a good Marvel. I'm just saying. But if I have to choose and we're looking on the movie reviews and Rotten Tomatoes gives like, you know, what's the highest rating for like 80 80 or 90 or whatever on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's their scale, right? I've never understood their scale. Okay. (laughs) I really haven't. (laughs) And it's a true story that I'm all there. That's why I write the books I write because I think true stories are so much cooler. I want to hear your story because I know there's going to be a nugget that helps me in my next leg of the race. You know, how many analogies can I throw in here? Leg of the race, adventure, (laughs) book, basketball game. I just want to cover all the demographics. I want like fans in all the parts of of the social circles. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I would just say God wants you to have more options and the adversary wants less. He's not about choice. He's never been about choice. He was always about the black and white thinking. He was always about the absolutes. He didn't want any vulnerability. That was all he voted for. Zero vulnerability, right? And God's like, listen, I'm just presenting this plan because it's the greatest chance for happiness. You will literally have everything I can give you, but it's going to take some effort and skin in the game. And so, you know, that's why, listen, I, I worked on some pretty high level projects about suicide prevention over the last few years. And specifically, um, when we talk about faith and suicide, for a long time culturally, we talked about those that die by suicide as being damned. That is false teaching. Elder Renlin has some great videos out. There's a there's a lot of good content now. But a few years ago, I was able to advise a little bit on some of that that's out there. And I said, there's a ton of suicide prevention groups out there, but we're a faith group. We should be front of line talking about this. Because the way I believe Meg is working it out still. I also feel through some sacred experiences that she knows that suicide is one decision she made, but it changed all of her other choices. And if she could take it back, she would. So for those that are listening, that are feeling suicidal ideation, nipping at their heels, uh, I have a friend that's a therapist that talks to her clients and she'll say, you know, first of all, if she gets a new client and they say, uh... I've tried everything. She's like, you haven't tried me. But say they're like a year into it and they're, the client is still suicidal. She'll say, fine, sometimes. She will. She'll be bold. She'll be like, okay, you want to kill yourself? Okay. Just know tomorrow if you wake up wherever you wake up, you can't schedule with me. Like you can't call me and be like, we need an appointment. Right? But on a faith level, what I'm trying to say in a really like joking, awkward suicide way, because I joke about it sometimes, is that this is the long view. And whatever Meg was struggling with that led her, and I know some of what it was, that led to that dark night of the soul of exhaustion, of giving up thinking we'd be better without her, she's still going to be working through that pain, but now without a body. Now, I don't understand all of what that reality feels like, 
I will say that I know that she has learned and grown more and understood more. And part of what I have felt is that her mission in ministry is to minister to those left behind and our grief. That's not easy. It cannot, I have felt her too many times where I know she's just like, I'm so sorry. Right. And so I, I just, for the rest of my life, will try to add in some way to the conversation around faith in a different way and around mental health in a different way and framing it in the perspective of that we have faith, family, and bodies, and Satan has no family, no faith, and no body. So the guy that didn't want any options, who doesn't like vulnerability, who doesn't have a body, is going to do what to make us think we're trapped? So I think what's important, especially as we consider loved ones we've lost, especially, that they're continuing to learn. Eternal life is about eternal life, right? And so I really have come to understand that these bodies, especially like, listen, I'm coming to it with 25 years of a chronic illness with a heart condition, with arthritis. It, it, I don't feel like I got the best model of the body department parts of life and mental health for real. And some other struggles, right? So I'm not saying that it's always easy, but our spirits are becoming more because of the oppositional force of dealing with the body. And with that gift, that's a really complex issue that maybe I need to come back and talk about on another episode. But I think it's important to understand that's why I say the mantra to go back at the beginning, stay in your body. Our bodies, so often in the church, I think we talk about... um, I think we talk about our spirits mastering our bodies, and I have a new awareness about that, that our bodies are, you know, our spirits are eternal and massive and glorified, and our bodies are mortal, right? We already know that. It's not so much our spirits are overcoming to master our bodies. It is that this experience of having a body is not only elevating the body, but elevating us. Does that make sense? And so for those that are struggling, I would say, I know you're tired. My sister was tired. Um, She's still working through the trauma and the pain, right? I don't know what it feels like to not have her body, but I know in some ways there was probably a sense of relief for a time, a reunion with people we love, but there's still, she's on to continuing to progress. So what I would say is stay here. This is your mission. The prophet Elijah was told by God, get some rest, get some food, get up tomorrow, get some rest, get some food. Your mission's not done because he was suicidal, right? And so I think God is so aware that he knows this is hard. He knows this is painful. He knows we're experiencing loss. But I also believe that in God's economy, the opposite is also true. That as far as when we say Jesus descended below all, That means he also experienced all of the glory. So when we're personally in the middle of a faith adventure that feels like we've descended below all, get ready for the other side of that. You know, I hear people like, oh, or is Jesus, listen, I'm, if anyone's listening in heaven, I'm ready for Jesus to come next week. Like I don't need any extra time because millennium is going to be good for working some stuff out. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But. What I'm saying is if it gets worse before it gets better, before the the second coming happens, get ready for as bad as it's going to get. So will the miracles. The early day of the restoration tells us that where farmers are like hanging out with angels in the field, right? 
but they're being tarred and feathered and driven out of their homes. So can we see the juxtapose of that? The juxtapose of our own soul, of our own experience. And if you are severely, chronically dealing and battling with mental health stuff, listen, I don't know a harder battle out there. I literally don't know a harder battle, but I will say you're learning stuff that are going to help others. And number two, keep leaning towards or heading in the direction of more options, not less. Are we making choices that expand our options? Are we making choices that narrow them? Because Satan is always about the narrow. He's always about the small. He's always about the trap. He's always about the lie. He's always the less than And he's saying, listen, my plan is about getting rid of vulnerability and you all ignored it. Well, great. That must mean that even if we don't feel it right now, the promises are sure that the expansive joy coming on the other side is massive, right? And so as we grow in our ability to hold space for the hard, we're growing in the ability to hold space for the good. And that's what I see for you. That's what I see for myself. It's easier to see it in you. Like, let's be straight. I see you. I'm like, oh yeah, you're doing great. Good job. Keep going. (laughs) Right. I woke up this morning and I was like, wah, wah. Right. Like I don't, I don't have it in me. You know, I talk about Meg's suicide all the time, but it's the anniversary's tomorrow. Like I'm not in a great space. If I let myself really sink there. Now I do. I let myself have space to cry. Last night was one of those. Um, But the reality is, is that, you know, so much of what I feel from God sometimes comes through other people. So I love doing podcasts. I love doing shows. I love writing books for that reason. Because I hear from people that are like, I picked up your book after like three years. It's my best friend now, right? Which it's not, it's just the spirit can use that. I love that a podcaster or a YouTube video, someone can find, and we hear from them all the time, right? Oh my gosh, I found your right on the, that was the answer. And I'm like, wait, what? You know, even and I to, love what you say when you're, I do the whole show. I would do for the that whole one, show. One thing. I would write a book for one. I just met someone last week. I had no idea. She had picked up my book. You are more than enough. You are magnificent. There's a part in there where I talk about the Wonder Woman journal in my life, where I write down examples of Wonder Women and right. She created a whole, she has more followers on Instagram than I do. And it, and she does retreats and she has a Wonder Woman journal and it's all because she read that in the book. And she's like, I can't believe you're standing here. We were at an event and she was Charlie Bird's date for Fab 40 and I'm in Fab 40 and she's got really emotional. Shout out if you're watching. She was like, thank you. That book changed my life and saved my life. Well, listen, I would say all of us, not just me, not just you, not podcast hosts or authors or speakers, right, that have platforms, all of us have the power to impact every day someone. And I think that's what Zion is. To me, Zion will be multiple faiths, multiple races, multiple sexual identities, multiple everything. And it will be Zion because we will bring all of our wilderness adventures together And we'll bring all of our vulnerability experiences and our resiliency and our faith and we'll help each other, you know, just on real talk this last week, I talk about one of my neighbors that's mentoring my son right now. And I lost an ugly cry on the set on the episode because as a mom, I can't reach him the way a guy who has a successful business, young father can reach my kid right now in that way. Right. That's science. 
So if you're struggling, you deal with addiction, you deal with self-harm, you deal with depression, anxiety, you deal with uh, faith questions, and I don't know, the myriad of other things that we love to talk about on saints, right? Um, don't check that stuff at the door. I'm sorry the culture hasn't always been welcoming. I'm I'm sorry that you don't always feel supported in Sunday school. I get that. Do you know how many people made the craziest comments about us when we couldn't have kids yet? You know, like in the church that are our friends. I'm like, you, you, did you just hear what you just said? Uh, listen, I know there's probably thousands of people about to write in and say, and you're the person that said the stupid thing to me. So I know I'm the one who's done the stupid talking, right? I'm just saying like, let's make room. Let's be more expansive. Let's be more enabling. God is. God believes, as Brad Wilcox says, in a big heaven and a small hell, right? And I think in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have that model. We believe in a really big heaven, very expansive. And, and maybe other traditional Christian churches don't see us that way, but that's what I see. And my covenants keep me here. They do. There's a lot of great churches out there. There's a lot of great faiths, but my covenants keep me here because they they are fabric of my relationship. And when everything else falls, listen, they've kept me. Right after Meg died, I went to the temple, crawled into the temple that day. Like I had been planning her funeral, writing her obituary. It was horrendous. I hadn't slept for I hadn't slept for days. I and when I would fall asleep, the worst, most horrific dreams of how she died and all the things, right? And the grief and the right? So when I went to the temple, like I didn't come out, Jake, that day, like skip, skip. That was awesome. Saw angels, all the grief's gone. Check, check, we're on to it. No, I went in there because I had already created a relationship with the temple. Like over years of a relationship, right? So I, I trusted that if I kept showing up, Listen, it was months before I could feel anything. If you were to take faith in a crisis instead of faith crisis, I was faith, my faith in that crisis was for the first time, I'm like, why am I at church today? People are saying, sorry. I was just like, do you know who's died? Do you know how she's died? And that's what you're stressed about? Like, that's how I would feel sometimes. Or I was trying to get my son graduated and I didn't know if he was going to go to prison or be the prophet or what is he going <laughs> to... Seriously. <laughs> and I'm middle-aged in a ward where they were really young. And I just was like, I don't see it. I don't. No one's raising their hand in church saying the thing my soul needs today. Well, why did I keep going? My covenants. That's where I took the sacrament. That's why I showed up. It wasn't... It was not easy to get out of bed for a while. And my kids even told me after the first year at the year anniversary of Meg, they said, uh, you didn't smile much last year. You know, my first book was out. I was speaking a ton. I was like, you're right. I wasn't smiling a lot, but I wasn't doing heroin. No offense to those doing heroin. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying there were options of what I could have done with my pain. And I was like, smiling was like low hanging fruit, right? Like I wasn't smiling a lot. It was tough. We were underemployed, unemployed. We were, it was a tough, there wasn't one thing happening in the crisis time. There was a lot. And I know a lot of your audience feel that. And I know we both share personally with each other as friends, what we're going through. And so to me, faith is the way forward. It's not the 
finish line. And it's not the litmus test. It's not like the temperature gauge that's like, oh, well, you didn't, you didn't measure this high on the faith scale. So Jake, you're out of here, right? To me, faith is the way forward. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. Sometimes we feel like we've painted ourselves into the corner, that if you've crossed this line, then there's no going back. And to me, that's the voice of shame. Oh, yeah. The voice of guilt says you cross that line so you feel a distance from God. Oh, interesting. So guilt moves us to change. Shame says you cross the line, there's no going back. <laughs> I feel like you or cracked my head open and you're <laughs> saying, because well, that's, yeah. I mean, exactly. all of us, uh, like the voice of shame in my head is not like, I think it's guilt, right? I think it's true. I think it's, that's God. God's telling me. Yeah. Mama. And then I call a faith friend, which I write about in that same book I mentioned. And they're usually the ones that are like, I think you're in shame there. And I'm like, wait, what? So easy for me to see it in you, harder for me to see it in myself. That's the thing. That's why I very much advocate just on a mental health level and on a faith level. We've got to make space for these honest faith conversations, which is why I love this podcast. I think it becomes that pseudo relationship where it's expansive, where it reframes for your listeners that they didn't cross over the imaginary line of never turning back. They've crossed over the line of the adventure. And it takes a conversation with another person sometimes to help you see you've slipped into shame, reframe it. Behavior that violates your value is always going to make you feel ugh. A lot of people, not to overgeneralize here, don't send me the hate, take that ugh feeling and say, then I read this thing about Joseph Smith and I'm out of here. And really it's about this pain, right? So if we can keep people in our lives that help us stay in the space of forward thinking through the faith, not minus the faith, there's hope in resolving and healing the pain. That's why I get crazy when I'm like, I want to honor your faith journey. If you're removing your name from the records, I don't want to be the cliche person that's like, what'd you do? Or why are you reading all those ex-Mormon things? Right? All the stuff you've probably mm -hmm. heard. Yeah. But what I what I will say is that if I don't have people I can call and say, I am really not okay with this, and I'm struggling in this personal space, this crisis on top of these questions is like nuclear war inside. My faith friends have kept me in the space of, okay, keep dealing with the pain, but don't make choices that are numbing the pain that then pull you further out of your covenants because that's never going to be happy. We want that, but all of us want pain to stop. You know, when, when I talk about Meg, it's about she wanted the pain to stop. You talk to people that survive jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. Statistically speaking, that's a low number, so don't do it. But those that 90% of those that jump, that survive, say they experience the greatest joy and happiness in their life to come in the future. They never thought the moment they jumped. And that the moment they jumped, they knew they made a mistake. Wow. That's mind-blowing. So if you're listening to this, whether it's faith or mental health, like make the next choices, surround yourself with people that help you move forward in faith, not in shame. And don't make choices that eliminate options. 
especially if you're in a faith or or crisis space it's it's like how often do we make a decision from that space and uh we look back and go oh that was the pain talking that wasn't really a doctrinal question that really wasn't my stake presence an idiot can i say that on saints and scripted podcast thanks heck yeah because by the way <laughs> god like to quote elder holland again must be you know very frustrated working with very imperfect people that's all he's got you know so isn't that great that we get to be parents even though we were raised by imperfect parents and we will be imperfect parents yeah good news bad news right <laughs> isn't it great we get to serve in the church even though we don't have all the answers yeah good news bad news right it's good news, bad news, right? That's the price of doing business right now. And so thank you for holding space for these conversations and allowing me to like put words on these ideas on any level. If it answers one prayer, I'm happy because it it's in the sharing that I keep it. So mm, thanks cool. for letting me share. Yeah, well, thank you. I, I feel like you had very, you had something very, just amazing and special to add Thank to this you. podcast and and hopefully and and what's hit me the most is you know keep your faith the faith is what moves you forward and just when you said exhaustive exhaustive like so tired and so sick of it and so hopefully and, and so I think thank you so much for what you said I I know it's helped me I hope it helps everyone out there and watch Princess Bride again. Watch, oh, me. Yeah. Me watch Princess Bride. Then again. I come okay. back. We're doing a whole nother whole thing just on the Princess Bride. What an Bride. analysis. <laughs> we'll both sit here with the little <laughs> in the bot down corner Let's and we'll just watch it and just it. react. Oh, Princess my gosh. Bride react video. Let's do it. <laughs> I'd love the... to make those fun videos. I know. When Let's... Anne was on, she was like, Let's do a, a podcast about or a podcast episode about quesadillas. I'm like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sweet. If Casey our friend Anne is watching, Bride. you better keep that in. Hey, Anne. Yes. Great hey, episode. Anne, Anne uh, and I have been friends for a while, and oh. she's one of my favorite faith friends. She's amazing. She, she is. was so awesome to come here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect example of finding friends along the adventure road, right? That come in your life and help you reframe. Yeah. She talked about how important that was to, to have faith friends and people. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I asked her specifically about, about, like, how do you, how do you keep your perspective and how do you like, cause I talked about, yeah, my anchor is the book of Mormon. What's your anchor? She's like, Oh, my faith friends. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, maybe I need to focus on faith friends and <laughs> listen to them. You <laughs> Not have just, some. We... Oh no, I have, I have you. I have great faith friends. I don't know if I always listen to what they say yeah, because you don't. When it applies to me, I have a hard time believing yeah, it. So, yeah. especially when we're telling you all the nice stuff, yeah, you're like, like, "No, no, no, you're yeah, just uh, tell me I suck." <laughs> then I'll believe that, right? Whose yeah, voice we'll is have that? a party. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. Satan, stupid Satan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a liar. Not today. Not today, Satan. So thank you so much. I please subscribe. More videos like this to come in the future, so you don't miss any. Like this video and follow us on uh, social media as well. All the social medias and. Uh, Thanks for watching. We'll see you later. <laughs> Gosh. Woo! This is a Saints Unscripted original podcast and is hosted and executive produced by me, Jacob Watson, and Saints Unscripted. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll catch you next time.